Hey, what's up, Fuse? Look, welcome back to our Spiritual Practices series where over several weeks, we're trying to take a look at the Bible and see, hey, are there some things that we can be doing to make us more like Jesus? I think we, we can all think about the thoughts that we have. We can all think about the Bible verses we've tried to memorize, the songs that we've sung, but are there things, are there actual practical things that we can do to make us more like Jesus? Is it all just kind of out there? I hope it happens that, you know, you kind of just pray for it and hope for it. Are there things that we can do to get better? Well, we've, we're finding out the Bible is, is pretty clear. It's just like anything else we got to practice, whether it's music or gaming or dancing or cheering, whatever it is that you do playing a sport that you've got to practice if you want to improve. We've talked about how God's will for our life is that we would become more like his son, Jesus, that our growth, our maturity, as we learn to walk with God and do life with God, that what's going to happen is we're going to look less like the old version of ourselves. And we're going to look more like the image of God's son so that as people interact with us, as they see our life, as they see the way we walk with God, listen and sing and worship and spend time with God and do go about our daily life, that they're actually going to see Christ in us. And that's the plan for us. So how do we do it? Well, we talked about this. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And so what we're trying to do is not just perfect ourselves and try to be some self-righteous, better than you, you know, sort of attitude. No, no, no. What we're trying to do is we're trying to take some of the things of God and make them a little more permanent in our life. So here's the definition we've been working for with spiritual practices. We're training in the ways of Jesus in order to get close to Jesus and become like Jesus. It's pretty simple. We're doing practice for things that are spiritual. So why are we practicing, right? We talked about this over several weeks. Well, we're practicing because Paul writes this letter to Timothy and he says, remember in all of the things that you're doing, remember to train yourself for godliness because physical training, the way we take care of our body, the way we live, exercise, eat, all those things, they matter a bunch, but they don't matter as much as training yourself for godliness. Why? Because godliness matters now and it matters in the days to come. So why are we practicing? We're, 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 we're practicing so that we can train ourselves for godliness or closeness to Christ. Well, what are we practicing? Well, Paul would write in his, you know, a similar letter to the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter four, he would write this. Look, here's what you should practice. Practice those things you've seen me do. Practice the things I've taught you. Practice the things I've told you about. Practice the things that you watched me do when I was with you guys. Look, this would be just like Paul being a really great Fuse group leader where they help you learn how to read the Bible. They help you learn how to sing. They help you do all the things and walk with God in all the ways. And they're showing you how to live and how to live the life that God has for you. And so what he says is, look, all these things you've seen in me, put those into practice. Why? Because Paul knew that if these Christians that were in Philippi, just like you and just like me, if they're gonna actually become more like Jesus, they're not just gonna need thoughts. They're not just gonna need teachings. They're not just gonna need stories. They're gonna need to practice. And so today for a few minutes, I wanna talk through the spiritual practice of the Lord's Supper. Maybe this is super familiar to you, or maybe this is brand new territory. Look, if you're brand new with us or you haven't caught on the last couple of weeks, I want you to get your phone out right now. I want you to text PRACTICE to 30303, and we're gonna be able to fill your inbox and fill your phone and, and, and hit up your social media with some great stuff that you can put into practice whenever you have time. 
And so for the Lord's Supper, I want to just explain a little bit to you because I grew up in church. And so I saw a lot of different, you know, ways of taking the Lord's Supper. I saw a lot of different ways of people passing this. Sometimes like a little cup and a little cracker, or maybe you went to a church where they all walked by and drank from the same cup, which is like social distancing. Whoa. It's like, can you imagine everybody drinking from the same cup nowadays? But the reality is I've seen a lot of people take the Lord's Supper. And it, was, it wasn't until a few years ago that I actually understood what it was. So let me just unpack it for you. Jesus used to have this meal with his disciples. Actually, they had this meal for thousands of years, even before Jesus, where they celebrated what was called the Passover. They celebrated the time when this whole people of Israel, when they were slaves in Egypt, and God delivered them from slavery in Egypt by sending a death angel to come and kill the firstborn of every single household that didn't take the blood of a lamb and put it on the door. I know I just went through that really fast, but you can go back and read the story and get fill in all the details for yourself. It's, it's, it's incredible. And so every year they would have this meal, this supper to remember this Passover moment, to remember that God, their great deliverer, had delivered them from slavery. And so they're having this meal. Jesus is actually having this meal himself with his disciples. And he takes this meal and he, he, he puts a whole new meaning on it. He says basically through this meal, in the same way that God delivered our people from slavery in Egypt, so God is delivering all of the world from slavery to sin and death, not by the sacrifice of those lambs, but by the sacrifice of this lamb, and he points to himself and he breaks the, the bread and he, he pours out the wine. And, and they, there becomes this new thing that happens. You can read the story in the gospels where they celebrated the Lord's Supper and it took on a whole new meaning. And now not just people who had, you know, families that were Israelites way back in the day enslaved in Egypt could celebrate this meal. But now the whole world can eat this meal and, and, and take this, this practice together as we grow toward Christ. So, so Paul is actually writing this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's teaching this spiritual practice. The apostle Paul is teaching this practice to a group of new believers in a place called Corinth. And he says this, I received from the Lord, verse 23, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Listen, Jesus came to establish a new covenant with God, one that wasn't founded on everyone's ability to follow God's commands, to trust God's orders, but rather a new covenant where God says, I've made the commands and I will fulfill them for you in Christ. This new covenant that makes everybody on the same page and gives us all the ability to have life with God through Christ. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. And as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. The spiritual practice of taking the Lord's Supper is none other than the spiritual practice of remembering. Look, maybe you're, you're watching this and you've, you know, you've been saved as long as you can remember. You, you met Christ when you were five years old and you've never known anything other than a life with God. You've never known anything other than celebrating Jesus's salvation. You've never known anything other than just being so grateful and floored and awed by the grace that God would display to you in Christ. But maybe you're watching this and you don't know the gospel. And maybe you're watching this and you don't know that it is actually 
It is God's sacrifice, God's giving up himself in his only son so that as you and I believe in Christ for salvation, that we have access to eternal life with God forever. But there's no way to get that eternal life without the sacrifice of Jesus's body. And it's not just beautiful lyrics that we sing. It's not just calendar times where we think about Easter. It is the real practical breaking of the body of Jesus Christ. That the son of God, the perfect God man would come and his body would be broken so that yours can be made whole. That he would give up his spirit and his life so that you could have life eternal. We drink the wine, the juice, to celebrate that it was the actual blood of Jesus that was poured out so that ours wouldn't have to be. It's a blood that was poured out that covers our sins, that covers our mistakes, that covers our regrets, and that provides for us new life in Christ, life eternal. So we're not drinking to, to forget. We're not drinking to, to mourn. We're not drinking to weep. We're drinking to remember. We're drinking to celebrate. We're drinking to look forward in hope of the life to come with God. So here's what I encourage you to do, to put this into practice. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. And then get some bread and some juice or some water, some Gatorade, whatever it is that you have. And eat the body and drink the blood. And as often as you do it, whether with your fuse group or by yourself or with your family, do this to remember the spiritual practice of remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Father, we, we take this, this body and this blood and we just ask, would you bless it? Would you bring salvation to homes right now as people look on and think about the sacrifice of Jesus, would salvation begin to flood into people's hearts? Those who have saved, those who have, who have confessed and believed and repented of their sin and trusted Christ for salvation, would you flood their heart with confidence in their salvation and with gratitude for the grace that's been poured out for them? For those who, who are unaware of the gospel, who are here to search for new life, would you flood their life and their heart right now with the reality of eternity and the gift that is on offer of eternal life in Christ Jesus? Father, we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.